0: The scripture, the scripture reading is John 14, verses 1 through 14. John 14, verses 1 through 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were so, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am you may may be also and you know the way to where I am going Thomas said to him Lord we do not know where you are going how can we know the way Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, and you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Please join me as we pray together. This is our prayer, O God. We pray that your Spirit would open our eyes, that we might see the Son of God. And as we see the Son of God, he might show us you, God the Father, that we might behold you, the tri personal God, Father, Son, and Spirit, in your glory and beauty. And if we do, we know we'll be changed. So, would you do that work? Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. There are uh, small questions in life, there are big questions in life. Some of those big, deep questions what is my purpose? What's the meaning of life? Who am I? One of those big questions is, where am I headed? Where is my life headed? And it points to this inbuilt thing in you and me where we feel we should be progressing. We should be heading somewhere. Maybe it's something like in our chosen field or work. our job maybe it's financial independence but we have this feeling that we ought to be moving forward and when that doesn't happen we have words for it right I'm stuck I'm in a rut I feel trapped all of these words point to this feeling that I'm not moving ahead I'm not going forward or if we've wandered from what we consider to be our treasured values we will say I lost my way well Jesus in this passage says something that's very relevant to all those feelings and questions he says I am the way the truth and the life now the truth and the life are really supporting ideas to the bigger idea that Jesus is the Lord of the way I am being his claim to being the great I am Lord God and then the Lord of the way he speaks to the sense that you and I feel like we should be headed somewhere now he also says it to a group of people that are troubled maybe you're here tonight and you feel troubled by your future what tomorrow is going to bring it's his disciples. They're troubled because he has told them that he's going to be leaving them. He'll actually be departing from them. And though they sort of see it and don't see it, he's talking about his imminent death by crucifixion. Now, if you've been left suddenly without adequate explanation or preparation, it can be traumatic. Maybe some of you have experienced that. A parent a spouse, a dear, dear friend that just leaves. It can stay with us a long time. Jesus is concerned that his disciples don't experience trauma in his leaving. He wants to prepare them for his leaving because he cares about them. And so he assures them and comforts them that he is the way. And there's three aspects of this that I want us to look at hone in on, that as the Lord of the way, he is the way to God's home, he is the way where God is known, and he is the way where God is shown. Home, shown, home, known, and shown. Even I get confused by my cleverness. So let's start with the way to God's home. Now, home is a powerful thing. I don't even need to prove that statement, but I will. When LeBron James was headed back to Cleveland to play, he didn't just say, he didn't just say, hey, I'm going back to play basketball. A lot of you know what he said. What did he say? I'm, I'm coming home. He actually wrote a pretty poignant letter. You can go to his website. There's even a little link for it. I'm coming home. That's how he understood it. There are plenty of songs that talk about home, whether it's Philip Phillips or Miranda Lambert or Les Mis, bring him home, right? We hear it over and over. Plenty of movies about coming home. In fact, uh, next month, you kids will probably go and see a movie called Home, about a bunch of aliens that find our home their home, right? we're reminded over and over about the importance of home. And if you've ever been on a long trip, a long vacation, if your family traveled and moved as you were growing up, if you've been in the military, the Foreign Service, you know what it's like to long for home, to get back. Mike mentioned last week as someone that immigrated here how he longed to find a sense of home. We also know that not having a home is a problem it's one of the reasons that our church works at ivy city to help build some homes it's one of the reasons our elder prayed last week for homelessness we understand not to have a home is not a good thing god understands that too yet but isn't this the truth you could have the finest home in dc and still be homeless because the sense of home can never be rooted only in a place Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that point he assures them about an ultimate comfort an eternal home he says in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so would I've told you that I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also Now, there are some questions as to whether he's referring to the the temple that was in Jerusalem, whether he's referring to the Christian community as the house. The simplest and most likely answer, because he says he's coming back to get them, is the new heavens and the new earth. Heaven, that's what he's referring to. The eternal home. And there's a few things he says about it. And here we can fan out a bit on the New Testament. One, that that home is an actual place unlike religious faiths or philosophies that teach you after you die you enter a state of being a state of consciousness the Bible says no you'll go to an actual place you'll be in a place and isn't this the thing that resonates with us I I don't think any of us this idea of going just into a state of something is appealing maybe it is to you me I like places You know, God, as we look at the Bible, God is someone who creates a place. Then he creates two people and he puts them in a place. When God wants to inspire Israel about his love for them, he says, I'm going to give you a land. Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. Heaven is a new heavens and new earth descending in a place. There's very few places we will be without place. We were made for a place. And that drives one of our core values here, right, at Grace D.C. We talk about the importance of place and of caring for it. We understand that in modern life, you know, it's just so easy to get moved over place. We're transitioning. It's one of the things our church faces a lot. We're people that scurry over place and fly over place. It's just hard to get a sense of place these days and so we have to push against it we have to be intentional remind ourselves no God has made me to take recognition of place that means that when we come to the city we don't see it just as a post-college experience we don't see the city as a launch pad for a career we don't see the the city as just uh, a place to have a party If someone understands the God of the Bible, they look at a place totally different. That's what we're trying to do here. Care for it. Know it. Because they're significant to the history of places. You know, you could go to John chapter 4 and Jesus has the famous conversation with the woman at the well. And that's a nice story. You might read it and go, that's really a nice story. He cares about this woman that has a broken life. But if you read about the places, it takes a lot of significance. The fact she's from Samaria. The fact they're near Jacob's well. Our city is full of significance. And so we understand we're headed to a place. That means we want to know the significance of this place. It's history. It's glory. It's brokenness. Jesus also says it's a permanent home, a permanent place. Just by virtue of the fact you and I are going to die and not stay in the place makes us yearn a desire for something more. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to just root yourself here because you won't be able to stay here. And what we find in the Bible is that the new heavens and new earth are a place where God's people reign forever. You get to stay forever. One of the pains we have in our community is you got to say goodbye to people a lot, don't you? Well, the beautiful news about the Christian gospel is one day you stop saying goodbye and you get to be in a place together. and it's this isn't a coping mechanism, just to deal with life. this This is a reflection of what we know here. This is why it resonates as true. Why would God make that place so entirely different than this place? Why would he make our experience here so entirely different than our experience there? The very longings that you and I have. A permanent place. It's also a holy place. It's his father's house. In Isaiah 57 we read, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. And that means it's a beautiful place. Now, oftentimes when we think of holiness, we think of something ugly and self-righteous. But in the Bible, holiness and beauty always go hand in hand because holiness is just love. It will be an infinitely loving place and that's why it'll be a beautiful place and a holy place. This is the home that Jesus calls us to. I mean, you know, you could be at someone's home and it's a beautiful, beautiful home. But if their family is just like cruel and ugly and mean, it doesn't feel beautiful. You could go to someone's place that's hardly, you know, one room. That family's full of love. You're like, I want to come back to this place. But it's also raising the question how can you and I go to a place like that? I mean, how is it that you and I can gain entry? into this permanent holy place. You know, this time of year, maybe, uh, you know, you hear from your uh, spouse or you hear from your parents, take your shoes off, right? It's muddy, it's dirty. You'll track, you and I track more than that into God's place if we went. We track a history of selfishness and guilt and shame. And so Jesus... As he talks about the way we would enter as the Lord of the way, he both cleanses us and he gains clearance for us into that place. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we said the Lord of access. He's the one that gives us access into that place. And this is how he prepares it for it. It it has to do with two things in the passage. One, how he prepares a place, but also the trouble that he's facing. Jesus begins the passage by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. But he's got trouble with a capital T that he's facing. He talks about it in chapter 12. It's the fact that he will be facing the gauntlet of suffering and crucifixion and death. That's the trouble that he's talking about. And the trouble that he will bear our guilt and shame so that we might enter that place and so while we might prepare a place with hammer and nails he prepares the place by getting hammered to the cross by getting nailed to the cross so that you and and I might gain access to that home he gets kicked out of the home he gets rejected because he stands in the place and represents sinners someone someone has to get access and gain it for so the way by which he prepares it is his death and resurrection And only the sinless Son of God can do that. Only one who is sinless can prepare the way into God's house. And that means that you and I can get a welcome into the house. For some of you here, going home isn't such a welcome thing. When the holidays come around, you know, the thought of going home, it's anxious, it's nervous, you feel at your worst when you're there. Not this sort of home. Because Jesus is the one that makes the way, it means... That you and I have access. The door is never locked. We never have to knock. The door is wide open. And we can hear our name even coming from when we, you know, before we enter. We can hear our name being called. And we get full access to the house. You know, in my home, maybe like yours, there was this one room we could never go into. You know, it, it was this living room. It was all the fancy furniture. It was sort of like, you know, how the high priest could go into the Holy Holies once a year. We could go in there once a year, Christmas. You know, we got to spend some time and be in that room. Heaven isn't like that. Full access to the place. And we're not invited as guests. We're sons and daughters there. And the greeting is never cold. It's always warm. This is what his home is like. And you're never going to get kicked out. Even though you might feel like you get kicked out now. So Jesus goes to prepare a place for that. And he says, he stakes it on his word. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. And I think that gives us a couple things. One is perspective. One is perspective on our home now. It might be right now you're not too excited about your home. Maybe your home is a bed and a shelter. Maybe your home is just this one room and a house where you don't really like anybody that you live with. Maybe your home is leaking right now. You're not too crazy about your home. Well, Jesus gives us some perspective on that. Actually, the New Testament book of Hebrews does a good job of this. It says about saints, followers of Jesus Christ, they were stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts, in mountains, and in dens, in caves. And why did they do it? because God told them they had, he had a better place for them. He had a better country for them. And so they were willing to go through all those bad and terrible places because they had been given the vision of a place. Abraham saw that vision too, the city whose architect is God. This is the home that Jesus is talking about. And we read in our Old Testament reading, Psalm 84, it's a place that is not only beautiful because the Lord is dwelling there, but it's a place of joy and strength. Do you have a place like that? When you think about it, you immediately think about, man, I'm going to be so happy when I get there. And when I'm there, I just feel alive. I feel strong. I feel it's a refuge. That's the place that Jesus is talking about. That sort of home. And when you know that you're going to head to that home, even if you're having a really lousy week, you can hang in there. The vision of that home keeps us going. But it's also a home that's decor is known by mercy and grace. When you go to the book of Revelation and it talks about the city of heaven, it says that the lamb is the lamp. Now, a light, right, that's important. You see everything else by the light. And so what we find here is heaven will always be seen by the light of God's costly love, sacrifice, and grace. Everywhere you will look in heaven, you will see it in the light of grace. And so our homes can begin to become that place of grace. They can be home for wayward you know, sons and daughters. They should be prodigal homes where people can always come home to. People that feel like they've been far away. Homes that show grace to one another. Homes that show mercy to one another. And so Jesus takes us to where God brings us home. Second of all, he's the Lord of the way as he takes us where God is known. Have you ever said, I really feel at home with this person? Maybe it's your grandmother. Maybe it's a best friend. Isn't it something how people can begin to feel like a place? We just feel at home being in their presence, in their nearness, even those that believe in some sort of version of the afterlife will affirm, after it's going to be peaceful and look really pretty, the people, that's what I want, the people. Well, Jesus makes, it clear, Jesus makes it clear what makes it home. It's not so much the design of the place, it's the presence of the Lord. That's what makes it home. There's this connection between the dwelling of God and the presence of God. Let me read an excerpt for you from the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Amen. So the home of God and the place of God, what makes it so homey is the full presence of God will be there, and he can't wait to be there. He can't wait for his people to arrive. There's this holy discontent that God God has until his family gets back. And that means to trust in a place can be an unwise thing to do. You know, you and I many times many times are asking god to open a way would you open a way to this opportunity would you maybe open the way into someone's heart that i'm fond about fond we don't use that word often do we would you open up the wallet of this person i need their money nowhere will we find help for our troubles though i want you to notice that jesus doesn't tell the disciples to actually put their hope and comfort for their troubles in the place itself but rather in the person of God I mean a job can make provision for you but it can't look at you and say I will provide for you a great achievement can get you applause but it can't look at you and say I accept you my son I accept you my daughter I love you A home I give you some haven and some rest But it can't be your shelter and your rest. Jesus directs his disciples, their eyes, to the person they need. It's the person that you and I are after. You can take every longing that you and I have in this life, whatever it is, a longing for a relationship, that's an obvious one. But maybe it's a longing for a place. It's a a longing for accomplishment. Whatever longing, and you can actually follow that all the way to your longing for God, a person And as the Lord of the way, Jesus takes us straight to that person. He doesn't blaze the trail. He's not even a guide. He reveals that person. As he is the truth, he is the embodiment of the supreme revelation of God. Everything that God has said and everything God has promised to do, Jesus embodies it to the people before him. He is, as we sang earlier, the word made flesh. The word come in flesh and blood. He is the life. Not only is one that gives life as he raised Lazarus from the dead, not only is, is he one that exudes life. When people would look at him, even though you know, he didn't have a lot of money and he didn't have a lot of outward beauty and appearance, he exuded life. He is the one, though, that possesses life as the way, the truth, and the life. And God has provided a way for you and I to truly know him through Jesus. Now, this dialogue with the disciples is interesting because it reflects our hearts. Thomas says, show me, show us the way. And Jesus says, you know the way already. But it's what Philip says that seems to sadden Jesus. Philip says to him, show us the Father. And by that, Philip is saying, I'd like a revelation like he gave Moses, where, you know, God appeared and passed before Moses. Moses. And Jesus just seems to be disheartened. And he says, Philip, you know, have you been with me? Have I been with you that long where you haven't seen me? How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And Jesus isn't saying there's nothing distinguishable between the Father, Son, and Spirit. But he's talking about a fundamental unity. But more, fo- more so, he's telling us something that's critical for you and I to actually know God. And that is the connection between seeing and faith Jesus is saying the reason that you don't see me is because you don't believe me the reason you can't see me is because you don't trust me now the position of an agnostic would be this I don't believe in God because he hasn't given me sufficient evidence to believe in him but there are many Christians that function that way right we can do it almost every day but as the book of Hebrews says, faith is the conviction of things not seen, as the Apostle, would say, Apostle Paul would say, we walk by faith, not sight. Faith is a way of seeing. And so think about this. Jesus was with those disciples for three years, just like Jesus can be around us, or maybe we've been before his presence or in his community for decades, but we really haven't seen him. And the reason we haven't seen him is because we haven't trusted in him. We acknowledge there are some ways that you won't see the way forward unless you trust. If you've ever tried to teach a kid how to swim, right? You're never going to learn how to swim. There's that moment where you're sitting there saying to your niece or nephew or to your son or daughter, jump in. Jump it. Come. Jump it. You'll be fine. If you're going to swim, jump in. And, you know, it's a big trust moment and it's only when they trust and jump in do they move forward or it may be a teacher that presented some philosophy to you that just was you know, making you feel nervous and feel like this is different than everything I've heard before, maybe the gospel feels that way to you but do you understand that there, you cannot move forward with God without trust and you don't have to invent faith out of nowhere because you already have faith you're already trusting in something all of us are We see as we trust. And it's by this way that we move to the third point, and that is whereby Jesus is the way God has shown. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. In greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now Jesus says something to his disciples that would have surprised them. He says, it's really not bad that I depart. It's for your advantage that I depart. It took them a while to understand why that would be true. Maybe you have felt that way as well. If God would only come back and be with me, I would be in a much better place. But this is why he says it's to their advantage, because when Jesus rises from the dead and he ascends to be where the Father is, he will then send the Spirit of God upon all those that believe, the Spirit of God upon the earth. At Pentecost, when that would happen. And he would be the mediator by which they could bring prayers through his name with his authority and his glory straight to God. So the presence of God would come nearer. The prayers would get better and stronger. The access to God, all these advantages would happen once Jesus went. But then he talks about greater works. And in the Gospel of John, works don't just refer to miracles. It's broader. It's all the works that God does through his people. Calling people to faith. Works of mercy and justice. Teaching works. Praying works. Whatever they be, all the works that he does... It's to his advantage that he, our advantage that he would go because as the Spirit falls on all these little Christs, little followers of Christ, his work is then let loose all over the globe. And that's what you're seeing today. You're seeing it in the city. The other night, Meg and I attended a small gathering of people and they were promoting a new ministry in the city that's equipping kids that you know, haven't been connected to resources, to the opportunity to cook and learn skills culinary skills. And as I sat in that room and I saw the people in that room and just the works that they've been involved with, I just thought, man, God is at work. I feel that way about this congregation. This network of congregations. I mean, just if we just looked at all that God is working through this little group here, and then we fanned it out to every church in this city, then we fanned it out to every church in this country, then every church in the world. I mean, God is at work. Amen? He's working all the time. Great works that He's doing. But they're not only great for the amount of works. It's now that Jesus has died and He's risen from heaven. We can now grasp the real significance of them. See, even the works that he was doing with his disciples, they were sort of dim, sort of clouded. But now that he's risen, we can see the import and the significance of what he's doing. That it's an outflow of his mercy and grace. It's a sign of his victory. It's a sign of his purpose to do his works all over the world. We have a clear vision. We can go, wow, this is fulfilling what he promised that he would do. And it frames even your Monday through Saturday work. You should now be able to see your work differently because he has died and risen and ascended. That he's claiming an entire kingdom. And it's by this Jesus says that people will be, he'll be glorified and people will come to know him. They'll want in on it. This is the Lord of the way. The Lord that has brought us to a real home. The Lord by which you can really know God. Do you want to know God? The Lord that is just showing off through his people. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus who is the Lord of the way. We pray that you would help us to find our way in and through him. In Christ's name, amen.